0: Perk Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is behind the steel curtain editor, Dave Schofield, coming at you on a Thursday morning. Does it sound a little bit different? If it sounds a little bit different, then yeah, that's me. That's me. I, my voice isn't all there. My head is a bit stuffy. My throat is very scratchy. I'll I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of miserable right now. I really am. Um, But you know what? I'm going to power through and do everything I can to not give you a miserable show because you know what? If the nerds of steel are tuning in, I am going to give them what they're here for. I just hope you can stand listening to my voice at this time. And hopefully, I don't have to stop too many times for a coughing fit or anything like that. But uh, you know what? I'm ready to power through because you know why? The Pittsburgh Steelers powered through on Sunday. Oh, my goodness doesn't it feel great to be coming off of a win it's been way too long it, I mean it's the the, the Steelers were coming off of a win on October 17th the last day after a win was September 12th my goodness more than a month but hey, you can't win the third one until you win the second one. And they've now won their second one. And this week, they're going to be working towards winning the third one. So let's just go ahead and dive into things. Got a few things I want to I want to tighten up here. You know, everything's got to get a little tight. You know, <laughs> I just can't help but say that. Um, last week, I didn't get to do the Zebra technology stat because... I had to record, I I had to run my show on Tuesday in order to cover for Jeffrey Benedict, and then his show ran on Thursday. Um, It worked out great last week. Uh, We're back to the regular schedule this week. And I'm like, oh, well, if I get that zebra stat or anything, then I'll just share it next week. You know what? That was from a thirty eight to three loss, you know what I don't care. I'm done with that game. I'm not going back to it. Why would I go back to that when instead I could look at and talk about something from this past week that was a victory well getting getting this stat from zebra technologies, this is what I got. this is the only one that they had that was that that pertained to the Steelers, and it actually came on the first play of the second half, which was that's correct. the Pittsburgh Steelers kick return which according to the Steelers um the the one guy that tweets out their stats and I can't remember his name right now so I'm going go try it was the longest the longest kickoff return by the Pittsburgh Steelers in their history that did not result in a touchdown I meaning the play didn't end in a touchdown and uh, the drive didn't either but oh well um So here's the stat from that. Steven Sims had an 89-yard kick return for the Pittsburgh Steelers where he reached a top speed of 20.84 miles per hour and traveled an actual distance of 101.9 yards. Jamel Dean was able to track him down from behind by reaching a top speed of 22.44 miles per hour. And now now you're like, yeah, well, what are you talking about, Sims? He got run down by a guy. Yeah, it wasn't like he was that fast. But listen to this. From from um, Jamel Dean, twenty two point four miles per hour, the fastest max speed by tackler in the last two seasons. So I'm just going to say this: that was a tremendous effort to save the touchdown. That was a four point effort on on the um, by um, Jamel Dean there because it wasn't like Sims was going overly slow or anything like that. It's that he really turned it on and, and I did comment before about how Connor Hayward actually got got a piece of him on a block. Now, if if he doesn't if, if Hayward doesn't get a piece of him, he probably tracks him down sooner. If he gets a little bit bigger of a piece, he might have scored. We'll never know. But that that was interesting. He came off of a block and still ran him down. That was a pretty impressive play for uh, another for a play that otherwise was pretty impressive for the Steelers. So that is the zebra stat of the week. Before we get into the numbers from this past week, I'm going to give a quick update on the BTSC Survivor pool contest and we're down to eight. <laughs> we're down to eight people after 6 weeks. That's right, eight out of 435 entries eight. There are two leagues that are done. League one and league five. It's only only, um, uh, two in two of the leagues and four in one of them. And six of those eight that made it through this past week is because they picked the LA Rams. So that's the update there. Um, There's always an article about that every Tuesday, um, meaning while the contest is still going on. Obviously, we're not writing an article and there's no contest. But uh, that's interesting. If you're one of those people that are still in, congratulations keep it up. We'll see how long it, it takes to get from eight down to one. All right. So let's dive into some of these numbers from this past week before I, I then take a little bit of a detour um, into what I'm going to talk about um, briefly um, about about with Kenny Pickett. So here's some numbers. This is, you know, from my by the numbers article that I do after the game, some things that were, that were interesting. Um, the Steelers, one for four. One for four. That's the red zone. That's the red zone defense. They, they, they allowed the Buccaneers moved into the red zone four times in the game and the Steelers only gave up one touchdown. And that was on their final drive. The Steelers in the red zone, they were two for three and the Steelers were also one to one in goal to go situations where the Buccaneers were 0 for 2. The Steelers defense really tightened up in the red zone. So that was, I thought was a pretty good number. The turnovers, neither team had a turnover or takeaway. It was a clean game by both teams. So that and the Steelers had to play a clean game if they were going to win that one. You know, two-point win. You got a turnover in there. Think about it. If if Mitch Trubisky doesn't fall on that bad snap, my goodness. I mean, it was bad enough that then they had to lose 14 yards. Can't believe they overcame that. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh if he if he doesn't fall on that ball, my goodness, that's ball game. I mean, unless the defense stops them quick enough to get the ball back for the offense and they can do something, that would have changed everything. So maybe not ball game, but it would have changed everything, okay? Um, the Steelers uh, held, held the Buccaneers to a 29% conversion rate on third down. Now, they were two for two on fourth down, both on the same drive, their final drive. And the reason they were there is because the Steelers stopped them on third down. Um, th- those were some pretty interesting plays. We talked. We already talked about the 89-yard kick return. Um, to me, the biggest thing, that, it, it was that fourth quarter. There was so much going on with that fourth quarter. The Steelers holding the ball for the final four minutes and 38 seconds. I compared how the fir- in, in the final four minutes and 38 seconds of the first half, the clock was running when it went through four minutes and 38 seconds, and the Steelers had to call a timeout because they didn't have enough people in the field for the field goal. They kick a field goal. The Buccaneers get a possession. The Steelers get a possession. The Buccaneers get a possession. The Steelers get a possession. And the Buccaneers get another possession and score a field goal. My goodness. How much, I mean, I, I don't think I went through too many of those, but there was a, that much change of possession because the Steelers had two more possessions where they didn't do anything. So that means it had to be sandwiched in between three by the Buccaneers. Crazy how much they did this, did stuff. I, I continue to say it bothers me. I understand the sense of urgency, but sometimes coach Tomlin wants to run a two minute drill with three minutes left. Okay. There's a big difference between a two minute drill and a four minute drill. There was no reason for the Steelers to rush to the line and run a quick play on second and eight and throw an incompletion with tons of time before the two minute warning. You huddle up, even get your play. The play clock and the game clock were going to almost hit the two minute warning at the same time it would have been close. I mean, all you got to do is make sure you snap the ball with with eight seconds left on the play clock, and you've got another play. You could have even ran the ball because, you know, or thrown, doesn't matter um what you did there because the two-minute warning was coming. So those are some things that constantly bug me. Um, mismanaging the clock at the end of the first half has been a pet peeve of mine uh, for multiple seasons. But, the end of the game is when it really mattered. I mean, the Steelers held the ball for the last four minutes, 38 seconds. I mean, victory formation just inside. I mean, they ran one play to get a first down coming out of the two minute warning, and then it was victory formation. Love it. Um, the Steelers, they were the uh, five for five, um, in, in the third quarter, uh, when it, when it came to, to, uh, Mitch Trubisky passes. Okay, Uh, the Steelers in the fourth quarter converted third downs of 13 yards, 15 yards and 11 yards. They went for it. They were aggressive. You know, you you look at those individual plays. I mean, just looking at third down, the Steelers had 17 third downs, they they technically had a couple more. Because, well, the one they still had up having to run a third down play. But like in the first, in the first half, they, they had what would have been a third and six. It was, they had a penalty on them. This was their second third down. The first third down of the game for the Steelers was an incomplete pass, but there was a roughing the passer penalty. Then the next one, the Steelers have a penalty that make, that moves third and six to third and 11. Um, and Kenny Pickett scrambles for 10 yards. They go forward on fourth down and get it. So the Steelers didn't have an actual third down conversion outside of a penalty on their touchdown drive to start. Then you're dealing with third and seven, take a sack third and four. They converted with six yards, third and six converted for nine yards, third and 15. Yeah. Only four yards. Okay. These were through the second quarter. All right. Then you got, um, third and eight incomplete with just over 30 seconds left in the half um third and 10 they ran the ball to make to make tampa have to use a timeout i would have been more aggressive to pass the ball there if it was something more like third and seven or less third and 10 i kind of almost didn't didn't mind they were on their own 14 yard line um so that could have been a recipe for disaster people like oh that was a terrible call if they throw an interception there that changes the game completely um You know, something gets returned or or something of that that nature. Kenny Pickett comes out in the third quarter, a third and five incomplete. Okay? That was it for him because then the next drive, Trubisky comes in, a third and 15, gets 16 yards to chase Claypool. So they had four, four third down conversions by Mitch Trubisky that were of – 10 over 10 yards one in the third quarter three in the fourth quarter that's some pretty good interesting stuff when you look at it so there was a lot of of good numbers from that game I mean the time of possession was almost even but the thing what mattered is that the Steelers could possess the ball when they needed to um so just some some really good stuff just to get a win now here something I wanted to talk about here for a few minutes. And it was because I I did some research. This is something in the off season. A lot of times I'm looking for questions and give me stat questions. Give me things you want me to look up. Sometimes it doesn't have to necessarily be with numbers. This is going to deal with a little bit tedious, tiniest bit of numbers, but it's only numbers one, two, three, four, five, honestly. But sometimes I research stuff just because people want to know answers. So I did this. There's been a lot made out of Kenny Pickett being not finishing the game because he was in the concussion protocol and being a full participant in practice on Wednesday. Now first of all, I I agree with coach Tomlin that he said, "Hey, if 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 Kenny can can be a can can be the full participant, um if he can do everything we need him to do in practice, he's going to play this week." I agree. If they knew that Kenny Pickett was going to be either limited or not practicing the first day, then you don't Then you say, you know what, we've got to prep. Even though he could be cleared later in the week, if we don't have him to prep, it doesn't matter. So I know as soon as any of the national media say anything about Kenny Pickett practicing, you get Dolphins fans on there whining like you've never heard them whine before. Oh, this is terrible. Why are the rules different for Pittsburgh than for Miami? You know, zip it. And they're not even talking about Tua. They're talking about Terry Bridgewater. They say Bridgewater didn't even have a concussion and he couldn't practice on Wednesday. And you know what? That's because it literally says, it literally says that no concussions Two concussions are the same. I looked up and read the entire new concussion protocol that they adopted on October 8th, 2022 was when it was amended. And I just thought I'd just give you a little bit of insight as to what's going on there. If you didn't actually look it up and, and everything yourself, and maybe you did. And you know what? Maybe, maybe you'll be able to tell me if I screwed something up, but some of this is you also have to look into it because. There's some interesting things that just as this goes on, that is really open to to not really interpretation. They really leave it up to the doctors. It's really left up to the doctors. But a few things to know about this, and, and that is, you know, they defined a concussion, you know, and they call it a sports related concussion. So it's an SRC that they're talking through the whole time here. And they talk about about what it is. Number one, it says it can be caused either by a direct blow to the head, face, neck, or elsewhere on the body with an impulsive force transmitted to the head. Okay. And they say they typically result in rapid onset of short-lived impairment of neurological function that results that resolves spontaneously. However, in some cases, signs and symptoms evolve over a number of minutes to hours. That's the big thing that's in there. If they think it's a possibility, just because you seem like you're fine right now, they won't necessarily sign off as easily because it's the whole thing that you could be fine now. And in an hour, you're not that's, that's one of the, the things. I don't know if that's a change, but that's something they definitely um, uh, uh, outlined. And that they said that it, it can result in uh, neuropathological changes, um, and they talked about the signs, some things of that. But one of the things that was there that I, I noticed, because it got me thinking, is they say that clinical signs and symptoms cannot be explained by drug, alcohol, or medication use, other injuries, and they list some, or other or other things, you know, psychological factors, coexisting medical conditions, you know, if you have something else that that could explain it, that's where it gets murky. And notice they said, I'll get it out now, medication use. If a player is on a medication for, for, I mean, it could be for something, it could be for allergies, it could be for, it could not even be injury-related, but if they're on a medication and the doctor thinks that there's any way that that medication could maybe be shielding, um, shielding shielding's not the right word, masking, that's the word I'm looking for, could be masking the symptoms of a concussion, then they're not going to let them move through the protocol. So that's why every situation is really, really different, because you don't know those kind of things going on, which then got... I was really surprised at some of the stuff that I that I found out. You know, they 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 sit here and sit here. Uh, they they explain all this of of concussion signs, you know, like lack of consciousness. They talked about seizure or fencing posture, slow to get up from the ground, to return a play after a hit to the head, um, which they do include could be secondary contact with the playing surface. That's what they believe it was with Kenny Pickett. I'm not even sure he had a concussion because I I thought when he was when he was slow to get up, it was like he had the wind knocked out of him or, you know, just you know, took, took, took a shot to the gut. I mean, I, I remember one time getting the wind knocked out of me in a football play. We only had 10 men on the field. I wasn't supposed to be out there. We were on defense. You know, this is high school, but a long time ago. The coach grabs me and and grabs a hold of me and says, get out there. So I go running out there running up to the line of scrimmage right as they snap the ball, can't get down in a stance. So the lineman comes out of his stance and plants his helmet right into my chest because I wasn't prepared for it because I was trying to get up to get to my spot. I probably should have been more in a defensive position. And it knocked the wind out of me. And the coach yelled at me for some reason. I'm like, you're the one who screwed me over, Coach Vent. Thanks. Um, But anyway, um, by sending me out there to get killed like that. But uh, if you've ever had the wind knocked out of you – the I can see how someone could even think that that was possibly what was going on. I don't know if that's what happened with Kenny Pickett. Because you know what? These are more private medical things going on. But, they, you know, they talk about a blank or vacant look. They lay everything out here. Um, You know, and they talk about ongoing symptoms of headache, dizziness, nausea, balance and coordination, amnesia, cognitive slowness, light, sound, sensitivity. You know, those are some big ones. Disorientation, visual disturbance, vertigo, all all kinds of stuff there. But here's what I thought was interesting. They have a whole thing laid out with the preseason. They have an education plan to let players and and people in the club know as much about concussions as they can. They also have a preseason assessment Okay, they have a physical examination where where the the club physician gives um, gives an examination to review and answer questions about the player's previous concussions and relevant neurological uh, things going on that that would then factor into these things. So they basically they have a big history with you. It's a it's an interview process and things like that. Um, So. You know, how and almost kind of how they would expect someone to maybe deal with the concussion protocol before it would ever happen. Then they perform baseline neurological evaluations during the preseason. Every player must be given a baseline neurological evaluation as part of his preseason physical examination, which shall include a comprehensive neurological examination and and at least every other season, baseline NFL locker room comprehensive concussion assessment, which is a thing that they talk about, which is what they do – Meaning how they test you in the locker room if they think you have a concussion. They make you do one of those preseason, if not every year, every other year, as well as doing the whole neurological exam. So they have a baseline because every person is different. It literally, as you go on, I'm trying to find it as I'm, as I'm going through here. They lay out the whole thing with the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant. They get specific of who has to do what and whose call it is. And if, they, and if one's not available because they're with one player, who would step in next? Who would step but next to it it is outlined to a T with all, all these things they even outline the process about of, of a medical timeout in order to get a player off the field and how they communicate that they lay all this out but there was something else that I, I wanted to look at here I'm hoping I can find it pretty soon um, and that where it where it, where it's literally says there's something that's very important when it comes to concussions and let's see, where, where was that? Um, okay. Th- Cause well, here's one thing that it says performing serial concussion evaluations may be useful because concussive injury can evolve and may not be apparent for several minutes or hours. As I said before, Even if a player performs a baseline or better on an initial concussion assessment and is returned to practice or play, he must be checked periodically during practice or play and again before leaving the venue. So if they think you could have had a concussion, even if you pass, you've got to keep testing. They will make you keep testing for for a while. Okay, so so that's that that's important. So. I'm not, Here's this one thing I, re, I really want to do. This is the return to participation protocol. They have this huge introduction, very first line. Each player and each concussion is unique. Therefore, there is no set time frame for return to participation on for or, or participation on or for the progression through the steps of the graduated pro, uh, the program set forth below. So there's a thing to move through. Then they say people move through it differently. I'm going to run you through these. Um, um, through these things they have a little chart then they went into big detail but then they showed a chart so i'm just going to kind of use the chart sum it up for you just to give you an idea there's five phases that you have to go through with the concussion protocol okay first one is symptom limited activity okay routine daily activities as tolerated with the introduction of light aerobic activity meaning like could be a couple minutes on stationary bike treadmill things like that um they want to see that and say that there that there's no symptoms and you you know Where do you test? Then you have aerobic exercise. That's phase two. 20 minutes or more on a stationary bike or treadmill with moderate to strenuous resistance supervised by the team's athletic trainer. They change the, the, the intensity of it. And they're looking for strenuous cardiovascular challenge to determine if there are any recurrent concussion signs or symptoms. That's two. Three, football-specific exercise. Okay, with continued supervision by the athletic trainer, introduction of non-contact sport, specific conditioning drills, changing direction drills, cone drills, um, introduction of strength training supervised by the athletic trainer, because they want to see how this goes if there are any more symptoms. That's phase three. Phase four, club-based non-contact training drills. Now, to me, this is probably what Kenny Pickett did today. I don't think they were in pads. I don't know that he would have been up to number five. But if he gets to number four, he can do everything that the Steelers wanted today. And that's what's key with what Mike Tomlin said, is that he said, I believe Kenny Pickett will do everything that we need him to do when we need him to do it, because they weren't asking him to go out and do contact on Wednesday. He could be in phase four and still do everything at practice. I think, especially being a quarterback, the way that they do things, because that is participation in all non-contact activities for the typical duration of a full practice. That's probably what he did today, okay, which is increasing football-specific demands to determine if there's any aggravation, blah, blah, blah. And then phase five is full football activity and clearance with full participation and practice and contact without restriction. So that's the stuff that, that that they're saying. I'll be honest with you, they – and they test you. You've got a paper test once you pass that so much that they know it's not sensitivity to light. You have an electronic test. They are constantly testing them with all kinds of crazy stuff. And they also take into account, for those of you that are wondering, they take into account... Um, ADHD and learning disabilities of what of how they would expect you to not necessarily score in a certain way based on those things, because they have all these baselines they do in preseason. This is a this is a pretty thorough thing that I was really surprised about. So I just wanted to, to get that to you. So that is how Kenny Pickett could move through. You're like, oh, well, how come he was he was, you know, uh. Full and you know, other people could just be limited. Well, for the quarterback, they weren't hidden, they weren't in pads. He could be in phase four and still participate in everything in practice. So um, I I look for him if there's no setbacks to move through and be available. So, with that said, I'm gonna take a break. We're gonna come back, we're gonna preview this matchup a little bit more than what Jeff Hartman did since he already stole some of my numbers, and we'll talk about that in the shorter second half. And hopefully my voice holds up. So stick around, we'll be right back. Berg Steeler fans, thanks for hanging with me. I don't know. Is my voice getting better as I go? Maybe because I'm using it. I, I'll be honest with you. I was I was Whitney Houston it today, man. I was saving all my love for you. I was trying to do as much as I can of not talking all day so that way I could try to save any voice that I had uh, for late Wednesday night when I am doing this podcast. Before I go any further, I got to do this trivia question that uh, Jeff Hartman kind of dumped on me without really reminding me that I needed to do it. But uh, I came up with something. Actually, I I admit, Jeff, Jeff tipped me off the To look up something. And I'm like, okay, I can figure that out for you. And I, of course, give him the answer. But uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we're doing a giveaway. This is kind of mainly Jeff's thing. There was a question on Let's Ride, a trivia question on Wednesday's episode. You've got to go back and listen to that episode and get that answer. If you've already got that answer and you're listening today because you want this answer, welcome. Uh, That's about all I can say. And of course, in order to finish it all out, you will have to listen to Let's Ride again on Friday. And then the final trivia question will be the noon show of Here We Go, The Steelers Show with Brian Davis and Kevin Smith. So You'll get a question. Don't send these to Jeff yet. You've got to email Jeff Hartman. If you need to know what to do to email Jeff Hartman, you've got a list of Let's Ride to get those questions anyway. I'm not going to go too much into the jacket and the prize because I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to say the wrong thing for you. So if you want to get in on this contest, I'll just tell you, it's a retro Steelers jacket that you're you're going to get. It's pretty snazzy looking. Yeah, I just used the word snazzy. And... If you want to know more about that, make sure you check out uh, Wednesday's Let's Ride because you're going to have to listen to it anyway in order to get that trivia question. So here is the Stat Geek trivia question, and it is this. The Pittsburgh Steelers faced the Miami Dolphins during the regular season in the year 2013. They played them in week 14. Uh, the Steelers, you know, they started that season 0-4, and they still had a chance to make the playoffs until they played the Dolphins. It was one of those games. They were down most of the game, and it was in Pittsburgh. It was in the snow. And and after uh, Miami kicked the field goal with just over a minute left, the Steelers, they're, they're trying to do everything they can. And with three seconds left from their own 26-yard line, Ben Roethlisberger throws a pass to Emmanuel Sanders, who laterals it to Antonio Brown, and he breaks free. And he is running down the sidelines for what would be the game-winning touchdown. But unfortunately, I don't know if it was because of the snow or what, he stepped out of bounds. At what yard line did Antonio Brown step out of bounds in that game in 2013 where the Steelers... Uh, Fell, I do believe the final score of that one was it was thirty four to twenty eight. So the so the question is the number that you're going to need is the yard line in which Antonio Brown stepped out of bounds to where the Steelers then fell in defeat to the Miami Dolphins in 2013. Uh, I, I, hopefully that won't be too bad. You could maybe find a picture, something of that nature. Make sure you get that number. Keep this compiled so you can send it to jeff all right so let's dive into this matchup coming up this week right now it looks like it's it's going to be kenny pickett full steam ahead uh we'll see if everything continues with that protocol but now you have a little bit more knowledge about it know what's going on a little bit let's break down these numbers okay steelers numbers are not good they're they're really not they're really not you know they, they got better some of these numbers have improved from last week like the, the run defense, you know, Jeff Hartman said that in Let's Ride on Wednesday, that that's the, their highest ranking of all these major rankings. So let's go into it. Miami Dolphins. Now, this is a tale of two teams. They were 3-0. and Then the last three games, they were 0-3. They didn't have their quarterback. All these things going on. Now they're going to have him back. It's really hard to judge everything there, but at, you still got it as a full team. Okay? Offenses. First, Miami. They averaged 366.2 yards per game. That is eighth in the NFL, where the Steelers average 291.5 yards per game, which is 29th. Yikes. Okay. Uh, when it comes to points, the Dolphins, they average 21.8 points a game. That's 16th in the NFL. That's middle of the road. But the Steelers, my goodness, only 16.2 points. That's 30th in the NFL. It's this has to be ascending. This has to be a number that right now they're thirtieth. They've got to move up every week. Right now they're sixteen point two. That's got to increase every week if this team's going to try to do anything, make any kind. I'm not talking about making the playoffs. I'm just talking about making noise and staying relevant. That that's got to improve. You've got to improve the points, right? Before it had been they were ranked higher in points than they did yards. Nope, not now not now all right so then then with the dolphins their their uh their rushing offense yeah they only average 81.2 yards per game that's 30th in the NFL where the steelers are 86.7 that's 28 so the steelers actually have a better rushing attack than the dolphins that's right but the dolphins have the second biggest passing attack in the NFL with 285 yards a game. Now, remember some of these games, like you look at the Baltimore game, uh, Buffalo, they've, they've had some games where they've been, even the games that they've won, they've been behind and having to fight back. So, um, you know, at least two of them that I, that I can recall off the top of my head, um, where the Steelers, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're, oh, I, I did the rushing. Okay, for, for a second, I thought I didn't. Their passing attack, 204.8 yards a game. That's 25th. Yeah, that is the best of anything on the offense, the best rank of 25th, but it's still 25th. Now, I will tell you this. If you were looking at just the last three weeks, the Steelers are 14th. So they are moving in the right direction there. Um, let's see if they can keep moving that, that way. Uh, both Miami and Pittsburgh's offense have turned the ball over nine times. Nine times. And Miami has surrendered 15 sacks in the season when the Steelers have surrendered 13. Now let's look at the defense. Okay. Miami, yardage, 361.3 yards per game. That's 23rd in the NFL. That's not that great, but it's still better than the Steelers at 398, which is 29th in the NFL. Zoinks. Okay. So Miami's defense there doesn't look that great. Still better than Pittsburgh's. Points Miami, they give up 25.8 points per game, which is 27th in the league. The Steelers, they're better, 24.3 points per game, which is 23rd in the league. Okay, so at least the Steelers are a little bit better on the defensive side with giving up points than the Dolphins. When it comes to uh, the run defense, the Dolphins give up 104.7 yards per game, which is 11th in the NFL, um, where the... Steelers give up 120.2 yards per game, which is 18th in the NFL, and that is the Steelers' highest rank of anything, 18th, and that's rush defense, which people were upset about, um, that it's just not good enough. Um, and then the, when it comes to the passing defense, the Dolphins, it's it's really not all that good. It's 256.7 yards a game, 25th in the NFL, but that's still better than the Steelers at 30th in the NFL with 277.8 yards a game. Who? Now, here's the other thing with Miami's defense. They've only they only have four takeaways on the season. Four takeaways. The Steelers have 10. Didn't have any last games, still have 10. Uh, both teams have, have sacked the quarterback 12 times. So those are the numbers. So if you look at it, Miami does not have a very strong defense. I had them on my fantasy team and I just dropped them, in all honesty. I had Denver. Denver's doing better. Um so other than their rush defense, they're they're 23rd or, or worse in everything but rush defense. But the Steelers are also 23rd or worse in everything but rush defense. Very similar stuff going on there. But then the question is, which direction are you headed? Which direction are you headed? Because that's what it really comes down to. I said it in, in 2020. When the Steelers won their first 11 games, I'm like, I don't want them to win their first 11 games. I want them to win their last 11 games. It's where you're going. It's the it's how you're ascending. Okay, You don't want to start too hot if you're not going to maintain it. Perfect example right now. I'm going to say the Philadelphia Eagles. They're on by this week. They are 6-0. That 6-0 start's not going to mean much if they drop seven of their next eight. You know, that's just how it is. You want Tampa Bay. I said uh, um, on the Scobro show this week that maybe the Steelers got Tampa Bay at the right time of the season because it seems like they're a team that when they go to make noise, it's towards the end of the season. The year they won the Super Bowl, they never lost again after their bye in December. So that's just... One of those things you 're going, so it 's not necessarily how you 've done it 's where you 're going, okay. The last game is great, but where are you going from there? The Pittsburgh Steelers need to build on that game. They need to keep their opponent. It would be great if they keep them to eighteen points or less again, okay, and they need to get this more offense going, especially in the point department that 's what this game is going to come down to. Well, I know sometimes I run a little bit long. I don't have a voice. I'm about I'm about spent. I'm giving you all I've got. And unfortunately, this is about all I've got. So make sure you're checking out all the the, the podcasts that we have here. Don't miss your let's rides on Monday, Wednesday, Friday and, and the Rider or die crew. Don't miss it, it if you're listening to this now, chances are you're one of my nerds of steel. So I'm I'm probably just preaching to the choir. But we've got all kinds of great stuff. I hope you enjoyed last night's Know Your Enemy. And then later on today, after this show, you're going to have a What Yin's Talking About and the Steelers preview on Thursday evening. Hopefully my voice is back for that one with, where I'm with Jeff uh, Hartman and Brian Anthony Davis. And you'll get some last-minute thoughts from me Sunday, even though it's a late game. I'm not sure what time I'm going to run on my last-minute thoughts. We haven't figured that out yet. Got to talk to the podcast producer, but uh, how, how the schedule is going to be, but you're still going to get those on Sunday. Also, um, I'll be there on the post game show. Not sure who else will be there. It'll be a late one, but I said, I got this one this time. So, um, With it being a Sunday. So make sure you're catching all that. And of course, make sure you're checking out com. your one stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. So, ooh, thanks for bearing with me. I hope you can get through this one. I hope you learned something from the, from the concussion protocol stuff. I sure did. Um, you know, there, there's so many other factors that sometimes you got to think about, but, uh, uh, thanks for sticking out. And of course, thanks for geeking out with me. We'll see you next Thursday.